0: This is episode 134 of Offscript with Trish Close, intimate interviews with interesting people. Joining me today via Skype, Carrie Diamond. Hi Carrie Diamond, founder. Hi Trish, nice to meet you. Oh, it's nice, to, it's nice to meet you virtually. You're the founder of Cherry Bomb, a media company that celebrates women in and around the world of food. Oh, I just have so much to talk to you about, but I do want to tell you I wore my cherry <laughs> dum-dums shirt for you today. Those are the lollipops, right? Yes. And it was a toss up That's between so this and my Wonder Woman t shirt because I feel like you you are Wonder Woman in a in a sense. <laughs> I don't know about
1: that, but thank you. Um when I first saw your I I originally thought I would be in the music world in some capacity, like either as a music journalist. So when I saw your t shirt, I was like, the dum dums. I was like, is that a band I don't know about? But then I realized it was the lollipops.
0: No, yeah. Sadly, I'm not that cool. Like I wish I, I wish <laughs> I was. I, I do love music, but I'm not that cool to probably be a fan of, of the band called uh, uh, the Dumb Dumbs. But no, it was. I, I just had this shirt. I thought of it, and I was like, I gotta wear that today because it's it has cherries on it. And if anybody who follows you or Cherry Bomb or they're a member, I mean, you guys are all things. That's that's part of your brand. That's part of your logo.
1: That's true. I'm I'm kind of cheating today. Where I I've. There's a peach, oh, you can't really see it, okay. embroidered on my shirt. I should, be, I should be wearing something with a cherry, but at least no, that's I'm okay. representing stone fruit today, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. We're going to talk about all things Cherry Bomb, how this started, um, because you, you did start this when you were incredibly busy, so I really want to talk about that. But first, I want to get to the beginning. Where are you from originally? I'm from Staten Island, New York
1: one of the boroughs of New York City.
0: Right, exactly. Um, I read in an article somewhere that you said a lot of people, or Staten Island gets a bad rap.
1: <laughs> it does.
0: Yeah, well, how so?
1: You want me to say why? <laughs> sure, go for it. It, um, You know, it's, it's an interesting place. I mean, it was an interesting place to grow up. Uh, it's a lot more suburban than the rest of New York City. So uh, if you love all the things that New York City are about, you might not necessarily find those in Staten Island. So, as a teenager, I was running into Manhattan as frequently as I could. Um, you know, and today it's a it's a bit more conservative than when I was growing up. So, right. Uh, what was it
0: like growing up there? Childhood.
1: Uh, it was it was fun. I mean, I you know I was a '70s and '80s kid, mm-hmm. so you know. Parents weren't as helicoptery back then. Uh, I had I was one of five kids, and we would just you know summer vacation would roll around, and my mom would say, "Go outside!" and she would just send us outside and literally lock the door, right. and we would just run around and ride bikes and walk up to the store and buy candy, and mm-hmm. uh, it, we had a, a sense of freedom that I don't think a lot of kids have
0: today. Five kids, Catholic. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so it doesn't sound very strict though. Uh
1: I mean it wasn't. My my parents were really young, so I think that was helpful.
0: Okay. <laughs> I think they were young and maybe slightly overwhelmed. Okay. So um so let's talk about high school because I read uh somewhere that in high school your journalism teacher really changed things mm-hmm. for you. Yes. Okay. Mr. Callahan.
1: Yeah. He I was the editor of the school newspaper and uh, one day he was like, would you would you ever consider doing an internship? You know, like a lot of high school kids, I was like, what's an internship? And uh, Jim was working for the Village Voice at the time, which I don't even know if they still print today. But back in the 80s, it was the 80s. Yeah. Back in the 80s, the Village Voice was like a legendary publication. And so I went with him one day to the offices and we literally went from office to office to see if anyone needed an intern. And I thought I loved the fashion editor who was there. So I was like, maybe I can intern for her. And she was so sweet. She was like, Oh honey, I have like a million interns. (laughs) So then we went to Michael musto who some people might know Michael's kind of famous in nightlife circles. And he literally was like, "Ew." and wouldn't even look up from his desk <laughs> i think he really only wanted like club kids and like super cool people and that wasn't <laughs> me and then my next stop was um uh bill bastone um uh oh my gosh i'm totally blanking on my other boss's name but um bill bastone who was one of you know the the legendary you know, investigative journalists in New York City at the time. And and, uh, he and the other news reporters there were doing some amazing work. And I wound up, um, my God, I haven't thought about this in a really long time. I was paired with Matt Taibbi, who a lot of people know, who today is, you know, an amazing journalist. And um, they literally sent me and Matt all over the place. It was pre-internet. We would have to go out to... um, the military ocean terminal in somewhere in New Jersey, we'd have to get on a bus and go out there and you would literally get like a stack of papers. I'm not kidding. It was like a few feet high. Um, And we would have to go through these court cases to try to find like a single name um, that appeared, that was mentioned during a court case. Then we were sent out to like Queens and we had to knock on doors because Mm -hmm they were, they're writing about all these, uh, corrupt officials in the Koch administration. It was, I was like 17 and I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And it was kind of scary knocking on people's doors, but Matt fortunately still to this day has the heart of a serious journalist. And, uh, so he, he was a lot more into it and I kind of, um, tagged along, but I learned a lot about what it meant to be a serious journalist Mm. and what it took to report on a story. And, um, it was all turned into a book called, I think, "City for Sale," about uh, corruption during the the Mayor Koch's administration.
0: No way! So. Okay, I'm gonna look that up. Yes. Yeah, I discovered Matt. <laughs> I discovered Matt maybe like a year and a half ago, and I'm just blown away by this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, amazing. well, he 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 was into this when he was a teenager. So. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Barrett.
1: Mm-hmm. Wayne Barrett. Oh yeah, Wayne. And Wayne, I think he passed away
0: mm.
1: not too long ago, but. Um, He and he and Bill, I just learned a tremendous amount from them. And I was very lucky, you know, to do so at such a young age.
0: Yeah, I was doing live reports from our school cafeteria in high school. So I think some of us just know, right? We just we kind of know you. Mm -hmm. You knew early, too, that you wanted to do something with Mm -hmm. newspapers. I mean, let's go back to the third grade even.
1: (laughs) True. I started uh, you did so much research. Oh, my God. I uh, started my school newspaper in third grade, and um, it was St. Charles Elementary School, and Sister Janine was the principal, and she was lovely and loved all the students so much. And I asked her if I could do a school newspaper, and she said yes, and we sold it for a dime, and we had to print it <laughs> on a mimeograph machine, which sounds ancient, it was. And I remember the mimeograph. It the print it printed out terribly because yeah. I don't know if anyone remembers those machines. Like they would run out of ink eventually, and uh, so the printing was really. I don't. I won't curse on the show, but the printing was terrible, and I remember being very upset, even as a a young child, at the quality of the um, publication. So it makes sense now that I print this very kind of luxurious, high quality magazine.
0: Yeah, and I mean, at third grade, you were pissed off. <laughs> I could just I was. I can just imagine because you're probably in a uniform, right? Catholic, yeah. okay, right? And you're just like, ugh, my newspaper didn't turn out how I wanted to. I love I, that. I wanted them to I wanted them to redo it and they wouldn't redo it. So <laughs> that's awesome. So did you want to be a journalist or did you want to be a writer? What like in high school, as you're doing this internship and you're walking around knocking on doors, was this like, yes, this is for me?
1: Weirdly. I I don't think I really knew that explicitly. I mean, I, it, it's kind of weird to explain, but everything just sort of happened magically. And I didn't have this sort of path. I thought maybe I wanted to be a fashion editor or a music journalist. And I got to see, you know, what went on at the New York times. And then I went to the state university of New York at Plattsburgh and worked uh, for the school newspaper. I studied English. It was an English major. I got every internship I could Mm -hmm. at the local paper up there and then back at the local paper on Staten Island. Um, and then later spin magazine, I got a lot of rejection notices though. You know, I wanted to work at the New York times. I, I did not get an internship there. Uh, but, um, but yeah, eventually it was clear that I wanted to be a journalist, but I, I think the, the one thing I was always super clear on is I loved telling other people's stories. And even, you know, in grammar school, high school, college, um, I've just always found people fascinating and love telling their stories.
0: Same, 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 which is why I do this. I think Mm -hmm. it's a connection because without, I feel like without us, no one would know these stories. And so it's our connection to essentially, I'm, I'm telling your story to people who maybe have never heard of Cherry Bomb or Carrie Diamond. They need to get out from under their rock. But um, I just think it's a great connection that we get to tell stories from people that, you know, the rest of the world may, may never hear from. Um, mm-hmm. I love I love the story about you getting the rejections. I interviewed David Becker. He's a voting rights <laughs> attorney. And he, mm-hmm. he said the best advice he's ever been given is uh, no is sometimes the best answer. Because no is yes. like okay, I'm moving on. I'm going this path instead of this path. And so I think rejections, I think we all think of them as negative, but I I think we should start looking them as a positive thing.
1: Maybe it depends on the, it depends on which rejection, but (laughs) I think no provides some clarity, which is good. You know, I, someone told me that same line. Uh, I think it was an agent who I was working with at IMG and, uh, I, I, they weren't, representing me I was working with them regarding one of their clients and uh, they said no is the second best answer maybe is the worst answer
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah yeah David said no is sometimes the best answer it's not always the best answer so just to clarify that um, yes is yes is definitely the best answer always 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 <laughs> so so you're on this path you you go to school you're an English major what do you really want to do like what, what's your like that, that's it, that's exactly, that's my dream job. You know, it's so funny and, and people
1: never believe this, but I, I never really had a dream job. Like mm-hmm. I never had a goal, I never had a dream job. I, when I was working at the Staten Island Advance, uh, which was a local Newhouse paper, I just, I didn't necessarily think it got any better than that. And um, I, I was just so happy to be a writer And be making a living as a writer i i kind of couldn't believe it so to me that was amazing and then a friend of mine went and started working at a travel trade magazine and he reached out and said would you ever want to come be the hotel editor and i was like i don't even know what that means but i'll talk to you and i wound up taking that job and that's that's a lot of how my path just happened Mm -hmm. like a lot of things you know i'm a big believer in luck but i also believe you make your own luck and sometimes you're in the right place at the right time and I've I've benefited from that a lot
0: mm, a thousand percent were you because I know you were into music and you were into fashion were mm. you really just into all of the things and kind of whatever you got to write about you were like dope let's do it that's what I'm gonna do no no <laughs> no like if they had put me on the sports desk I would not have <laughs> yeah gross
1: there yeah uh I loved fashion I loved um I loved fashion. I loved music. I interned at Spin Magazine for a little while. I was really lucky and again got to work for two amazing people. I worked mm-hmm. for Legs McNeil, who uh, was this like pioneering punk rock journalist. He co authored Please Kill Me, The Oral History of Punk Rock, which is a great book if anyone uh, has read it or if you haven't, I recommend it highly. Um, so I, and then I worked for Celia Farber, who was an amazing journalist at Spin who was, um, she did a lot of amazing reporting on the AIDS crisis. Mm. And I worked for both of them and learned a lot from both of them. And, uh, the, but the funny part was when they would send me out to do music things, like I would have to go interview some bands and write record reviews, I realized I liked being, I liked music from the perspective of a fan, not behind the scenes. And then the fashion editor at the Staten Island Advance sent me out on a few assignments and I loved the fashion world behind the scenes. I thought that was great.
0: Interesting. Um, and that brings mm-hmm. me to Women's Wear Daily because uh, mm-hmm. you were really wanting a job there because it was this fashion <laughs> newspaper. It was like the best of both worlds for you.
1: Yeah. Well, I couldn't believe there was a, a fashion newspaper, you know, and the newspaper thing had kind of gotten in my blood. And the fact that there was this thing that combined fashion and and uh, Daily News was amazing to me. I it wasn't my dream to work there. I, I grew to not like where I was, where I was the hotel editor. So I wanted to kind of get the heck out of there. And back then you had to, the only way to find a job in New York city was to go through the New York times. And you know, you would open the big paper and you would get a red pen and you would circle all the jobs and women's wear just happened to have like a dozen jobs open all the time. So I think I literally applied for every job that they had. And they finally called me in for a job. I was so excited. I did not get that job. And then they called me six months later on my birthday and offered me an even better job. Yeah. So that was exciting, yes.
0: Do you feel like that job on your 30th birthday kicked off a lot of things for you?
1: Huge, huge, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I I mean, women's wear, I mean, WWD, some people might know it as that. It was such a special place. There was still a lot of, you know, the original People from the publication, um, or maybe I don't know how old the publication is, but folks who had been there for a long time, who knew everybody in fashion, everybody in beauty. uh, They were just a tremendous group of people. I've never worked at anywhere like women's wear since. I mean, it was an office the size of a football field in uh, Midtown Manhattan. And I had the most extraordinary bosses um, there. My direct boss was a guy named Pete Bourne, and he completely changed my life. And uh, my other boss, Ed Nardoza, um, and Patrick McCarthy. I mean, I was very lucky. This is a time when a, there are a lot of like awful male bosses out there, but I was very lucky at Women's Wear and had uh, worked for and reported to three yeah. tremendous people. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. It seems like when when was this? When like in the, when you got this job? Like nine nineties? Ninety eight, ninety nine. Okay, um, two thousand. It seems like at this point. You've worked these jobs and you're just gathering all of this incredible knowledge from all of these incredible people, which it seems mm-hmm. to if you look back now that's really set you up for what you're doing It seems like right. that
1: right mm-hmm.
0: how lucky no I think that's I think that's a a,
1: a fair assessment and then uh, even more so my next job i I went to Harper's Bazaar after that, and I had always loved that magazine and really admired uh, she had passed away before I got there, but a woman named Liz Tilberis, who was the editor-in-chief, and she was just incredible, and the makeover that she and Fabian uh, Baron did of the magazine was incredible, so I was really proud to work there. And then um, the folks at Lancome offered me a job, and I said yes. It was just one of those things where you just said yes, yeah. and I really didn't know what I was getting myself into, and that that turned out to be another adventure and that was like six years of crazy travel working with every celebrity on the planet. And uh, I learned a lot there that definitely helped me later on with my sort of entrepreneurial journey. I never thought I would be an entrepreneur or do anything entrepreneurial. Yeah. But Lancome was like graduate was like business school, it was like graduate school.
0: Really? I love that. I mm-hmm. love that. And that's what I always say to all of our reporters. Your first job in in T V journalism Think of it as graduate school, because you're not gonna get yeah. paid crap and you're gonna work yourself to death, but you're gonna learn so much, you're gonna learn so much.
1: It's funny. I mean, I think that's been my, my approach to every job I've had, that they've all felt like, hmm. it, it's almost like I felt like I was being paid to go to school, which was great. And uh, you can't beat that feeling.
0: No way, Or no way. Experience. And talk about luxury magazine, Harper's Bazaar. I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Just... Yeah. Oh, talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I mean if you was, want,
1: it was really sure, sure, sure. It was, um, it was a really fun experience. Uh, I had never worked for a monthly before. So, you know, there were little things you had to get used to like the deadlines and it was an exciting time for fashion. I was the beauty director, so I was not covering fashion per se, but covering like backstage at a at a fashion show and covering fragrance launches and all of these very glamorous things and uh it was exciting it was it, you know it was like sex in the city time in new york city and so it was very fun
0: to say i'm jealous is a little bit of an understatement um you were you working i guess let me ask you where were you working when you decided to open a restaurant with your honey man i was at
1: long La- i was at lancôme okay
0: yes. uh do you what year was this about Guessing, I don't even remember <laughs> like I'm guessing early 2000s probably right Or uh, 2000 something
1: No, probably oh you know what I, I don't okay. remember. That's I all really good't
0: <laughs> um, so who who starts who opens a restaurant while they have a full-time job?
1: You, you just should not do that. my My entire restaurant career is pretty much a cautionary tale and a, a guide what not to do <laughs> in the restaurant industry.
0: Was so let me ask you this because your boyfriend was a chef, right? If I remember reading that right, yes, my ex
1: boyfriend, and he is still a chef. Yes,
0: ex, <laughs> <That's> ex, <ex-ex>. ex. <okay. laughs> um, were you into food at all at that point in your oh, life? Yeah,
1: I mean, okay, yeah, of course, like you know, pretty much everybody's into food, which makes it a great thing to uh write about. Uh, I was into food, I mean, I liked cooking, I loved farmers markets, I loved um. I loved exploring all the different restaurants in New York City. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard not to be a food lover in New York.
0: Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about when Cherry Bomb was born.
1: How, mm-hmm.
0: I'm so mm-hmm. curious how this idea popped up in your head. It, it was a few different things.
1: I mean, it actually was supposed to be an annual magazine for my restaurant. So that was the first idea. And then um, I was very aware of, of how hard the restaurant industry was on women. Um, a lot of doors were closed to women in the industry. Uh, they were just left out of a lot of things. And it, it was weird for me because I had come from a world that was so women-centric, you know, female bosses, you know, all the customers at longhorn were women, all my, co- you know, not all of them, but most of my coworkers and a lot of my bosses and the very senior bosses at Lancôme and its parent company were women. My boss at Harper's Bazaar was a woman. Tons of of women editors at um, Women's Wear Daily. So to get into this industry where you kind of felt like women were kind of considered second-class citizens, uh, definitely a few exceptions, but I certainly noticed that. And then as we started to do different events through the magazine, I, I noticed that and I think the other thing was I was kind of craving a community in the, in the restaurant industry. And I was just, it's funny, I was listening to a podcast last night that I, I like very much, Masters of Scale, and they were interviewing someone who works very closely with entrepreneurs. And he said, I always tell entrepreneurs, the best, the best path forward is if your company is solving a problem that you yourself have. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. I was like, what problem does Cherry Bomb solve? And, you know, we launched the company so long ago and I remembered something I had totally forgotten about. And my team will laugh. They might, they're here and they might not have ever heard me say this. I'm looking at them. Um, I did not know a lot of people in food. And I remember when we started thinking about doing this magazine, part of the reason was like, oh, I need some friends in the food world. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I think part of Cherry Bomb was just my desire to have a community in the food world because I I had a wonderful community in in all these other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was numerous things. It was I think I was kind of craving. I love print. I love I still do to this day. You can see you know all the books behind me. Oh, um, I have I have I, noticed. I think, <laughs> I think I was missing the print world. I was falling in love with this new industry. I wanted to build a community in this industry and I had noticed um, what was going on regarding women in the industry. So those things were all sort of the, yeah. the soup or the stew that led to Cherry Bomb.
0: You said that uh, the restaurant industry tend to close doors on women in all parts or was it just behind the kitchen or was it in all aspects of, of the business? <sighs> That's a
1: good question. Uh, I mean, in a lot of aspects, uh, you know, w- one of the things we've always tried to celebrate at Cherry Bomb is not um, the exclusionary parts, but mm-hmm. but we we try to celebrate the women who have found a way in. You know, there are all these women who loved the food world and they found their way in either as food stylists, photographers. You know, they did open their own restaurants, They're pastry chefs, their you name it, mm-hmm. you know, if if they couldn't necessarily become the executive chef, they figured out something else to do. And it's been tremendous over the past eight years to see what women have achieved in this industry. I mean, it's, it's changed significantly.
0: Okay. Uh, why the name Cherry Bomb?
1: I have no idea. It literally popped in my head while i was walking down the street uh it probably had something to do with lucky peach (laughs) because lucky peach was a popular food magazine at the time it was another indie magazine and it was so bro-y it drove me nuts every every issue that came out i was just like aggravated (laughs) and so i probably just had fruit on the brain and i've always loved joan jett and the runaways and that song cherry bomb and uh you know the bomb with the E at the end bomb is a dessert. It's also a bomb. It's a French word. Uh, so again, I think it was just this sort of a stew. It's also a firework. It's, so it, it's brilliant. The perfect. sort of the perfect word.
0: It's so yeah. brilliant. Like I, there, I, I can't imagine any other name for this. Like, it's just so brilliant. <laughs> it's just so good. And I love the fact that there's an E on the end of bomb. It's just yeah. so smart, really smart. And I, love. I, I at least once a week, I'm very
1: grateful for the E. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, and then this is this evolved because it started out you mm-hmm. wanted to do a, a publication, a, a magazine, mm-hmm. essentially, but then it just evolved over the years to cookbooks, mm-hmm. cherry bomb radio. I mean, th- there's yep. there's a podcast. I mean, there's just so many different aspects to this company now.
1: Yeah, it it grew very organically. I mean, I had a full time job. My partner at the time um, had a lot of other projects. Uh, It was never, we did not start it with the intention of building it into a company. And then things would just happen organically that made it head in that direction. You know, for example, we did the first issue and we really had no idea when we would do the second issue but then the first issue came out and everyone's like when's the second issue so we're like okay we better work on the second issue and then uh someone in our community reached out and said could i host a podcast for you and we were like what's a pod you know we literally <laughs> didn't even know what podcasts were we were like okay let's do a podcast and then an article came out in eater i'm sure everybody's out there knows eater you know the the food media outlet the food and restaurant-focused media outlet, Eater did a story that actually broke down with pie charts how women were being left out of conferences, competitions, all of these different things. And it was something I always knew anecdotally, but I did not have the concrete you know, evidence and numbers that this was happening. So it was really interesting to see it in that format And I was like, okay, that explains a lot. So women are being left out of all these things. That means they're being left out of networking opportunities. They're being left out of opportunities to meet potential business partners and get money. And we know that's been, you know, such a deterrent to women wanting to get into this uh, business. Um, And just lots of different things. I mean, networking is what helps a lot of people get ahead. So we're like, okay, someone needs to put together a conference. No one did. So we were like... Let's do a conference, and that's how our Jubilee conference was born. And today it's the the number one gathering of women and food in the u s.
0: Holy cow, nice work.
1: Yeah. Uh, do you... well, I think it just showed a need mm-hmm. um, you know, for these things. I mean, it it's when you look at lots of different things, whether it's you know institutional racism or sexism, I mean, there are reasons for these things. They're just not imaginary things.
0: Right, and solving problems, as you just sort of touched on again, mm-hmm. you, you see a problem out there, and as an entrepreneur, you're going out to solve it. Mm-hmm. When you when you look mm-hmm. back with all the jobs that you've had, opening a restaurant, then sort of starting Cherry Bomb, not really knowing that it would essentially turn out this way, a mm-hmm. lot of people are like, "Oh my gosh, that's that sounds so hard!" And how did you do it? Do you look back and just go, "I don't know," you just go, you just do it.
1: Uh. I don't look back and go, I don't know. But I do look back and I'm like, that. it's been an insane eight years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: It's been hard, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I guess my question for you as an, you know, there's so many people who have that drive to become an entrepreneur, but it's scary at the same time. It's scary to.
1: You know, it is, but it doesn't have to be. I think I was just so unprepared for my two different entrepreneurial journeys. the restaurant one I was so excited about, but I really, I leapt without knowing what I was doing. And, you know, it's the kind of diving into the deep end of the pool, um, or being thrown into the pool. It, you know, sometimes that's a good way to figure out something. Sometimes it's a terrible way right. to figure out something. Um, if anyone out there wants to get into the restaurant industry, I definitely advise that you work in the industry first, maybe. And, and, do a lot of homework beforehand. I, I went in without having done my homework and it was amazing, but it, um, you know, it was an amazing experience and I, I met so many incredible people and I learned incredible things and if that hadn't happened, Cherry Bomb never would have happened. So things I do believe happen for a reason, but uh, if I were to open a place today or tomorrow, um, I would be a lot smarter about how
0: to do it. Yeah. And I do believe everything does happen for a reason, for sure. Uh, Let's talk Mm -hmm. about uh, the podcast, because you're interviewing so many incredible people. Are there any interviews that really stick out to you as some of your just top faves? Oh,
1: gosh. My top faves podcast interview-wise. You know, I I honestly love so many of them. I mean, I, I still pinch myself that I get to talk to people like Nigella Lawson and Alice Waters and Dr. Jessica B. Harris and, you know, just these incredible accomplished people. It's, it's an honor to talk to them every week. Uh, but I also love talking to up and comers. Mm -hmm. You know, I just did an interview like a week or two ago with a young woman named Salma Dada, who's the uh, food correspondent for the today show. And she has a brand new book out called Dada eats. And I just thought she was amazing and love her book. And uh, just had a blast talking to her.
0: Yeah. So many incredible, uh, so many incredible women out there. I interviewed uh, Christine Tobin, who you also interviewed, the food stylist. There was something Mm -hmm. about- Little Women, yeah. Yeah, I I wrote it down when I was talking to her. She is just a delight, this just delightful person that broke into food styling because it was just like, yeah, this is something I want to try. And then just Mm -hmm. got so involved in this, in the industry of food styling and now is trying to help others get into food styling as well.
1: Yeah, she was cool. I had, I had a lot of fun interviewing her, meeting her for the first time.
0: Yeah, incredible, incredible women out there in the industry. Um, and then I just saw on Instagram, uh, Cherry Bomb's moving on up. Headquarters, right? Is that, <laughs> Headquarters are moving? We,
1: uh, our headquarters are not moving. We are working out of my apartment right now until <laughs> we um, find an office. But our podcast did move. Uh, We now record out of uh, Newsstand Studios in Rockefeller Center. And that has been thrilling, you know, because as New York City kind of comes back and and more and more people are in the city again, to be, you know, recording the show in the heart of New York City is a thrill. Oh, I bet.
0: Um, And then, Kent, speaking of podcasts, can we talk about your voice for a second?
1: (laughs) it's so good it i slept i slept with the air conditioning on i feel a little froggy right now no so.
0: carrie diamond it's so good your voice is so, it's like butter oh thanks i mean if if you don't care anything about women and food just listen to the podcast for your voice it's just so it's so soothing i mean you should you should do like oh. audio books or something it's good
1: that's nice of you to say yeah
0: thanks. no it's it's I really good i used to cr- i It's hard to listen to your voice you know
1: that sometimes it's a little cringy when you listen to your own voice yeah
0: uh super cringy because i have my news voice right which is the you know good evening which is very impressive when we were watching your videos i was like man she needs her own show on
1: you know cnn or something more yeah
0: i love that but when i interview people that i find interesting and fascinating it kind of like goes it's like tea kettle the like tea kettle yeah. part of my yeah. my voice, but mm-hmm. no, it's super mm-hmm. cringy when I listen to my voice back if I'm just sort of talking. But no, it's it's really good. Like I just I wanted to throw that out there. I wrote it down. Like you have to know that your voice you. is amazing, which is thank you a big part. If you have a podcast, you should probably have a <laughs> nice a nice voice.
1: That's true. It's helpful. Uh,
0: yeah. What's next for Cherry Bomb?
1: Oh my gosh! What's next for Cherry Bomb? So many things. Yeah. I am actually writing a business plan. <laughs> the team is laughing again. Like, what's next for Cherry Bomb? <laughs> uh, I am actually writing, finally writing a business plan. People have been after me to write a business plan for eight years, and uh, it, you know, it's it's hard to write a business plan. I mean, we've been bootstrapped for so long. Um, I've I've got all these qualms about about you know raising money, but I guess every company at some point needs to decide whether they're doing that or not. So I'm trying to figure that out at the moment. We um, have We're going back to live events, which I'm really excited about. We will be announcing shortly a big event in Brooklyn in the fall and then we'll be doing our Jubilee conferences again starting next year. Uh, the first one will be in Brooklyn in April. And you know we just miss we miss seeing everybody. we miss bringing everybody together. You know, it's it's I love podcasts. I love that we were able to pivot and do things virtually, but nothing, nothing can replace the in-person experience and just hearing these amazing women speak on stage and share their wisdom and bump into your friends in the audience, make new friends, try food, meet all these great new chefs.
0: It's uh,
1: yeah. It's, it's a wonderful experience.
0: Yeah, hugging and kissing. There's nothing like it.
1: Hugging and kissing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly.
0: Have you heard from the conventions, the ones that you were doing obviously before COVID, mm-hmm. were you getting stories from women or other people just going, hey, I was there, I met this person, now I have this job. I mean, obviously there's gotta be success stories that come out of these.
1: Yeah, absolutely. People have gotten book deals out of them. Um, we just did, people have made friends, they've mm-hmm. met business partners we just did a fun event. We have a cherry bomb membership. Um, so you can join and become a member. And we did a New York city meetup with the members at a, a new tap room and brewery. It's called Talea, And it's the first female owned and run tap room and brewery in New York city. Um, two amazing women run it, Leanne and, and Tara. And so we went over there, it's in Williamsburg and, um, they went, to their first jubilee and they met the team from Whole Foods and they got a distribution deal with Whole Foods. So we just love we love when things like that happen.
0: Okay. So. I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on my way. There's nothing like there's nothing like networking. Uh but let's talk about how you can become a member. I mean cherrybomb.com is the place for all things. Yes, cherrybomb.com, you can listen to the podcast. We have a great weekly feature
1: called Open Book that's all about cookbooks, but from a little bit of a different perspective. It's like how the people got their deals, how the art direction came together, how, you know, the the putting together of the book happened. Uh, So it's really for the cookbook nerds. That's fun. And just all our happenings. You could find all our magazines. We just did a huge uh, project with Julia. I was gonna say with Julia Child. We feel like we actually did work with Julia Child but we just did a huge Julia Child project mm-hmm. and really did a deep dive into the world of Julia Child, which was so much fun and so fascinating. So we've got a lot of the videos from the, the Julia Child event that we did. We've got our Julia Child magazine that we did. Yeah. You can find all that.
0: She's definitely one of my heroes for sure. I've been just doing research on her the last few years. She's a am- was amazing. Yeah.
1: It's amazing how many people love Julia. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, she was, so, she was so nonchalant. She was just so so easy. I think it was a lot of things. I think it was the, the pioneer
1: aspect of it. You know, I mean, there were a few people who did food TV before her, but she was really the first food TV star. Mm-hmm. That cookbook was so impactful to so many generations of not just women, people. Yeah. Uh, and she was, she was goofy, and she was herself, and mm-hmm. people really related to that.
0: Yes. And I love the fact her the first cooking school that she went to in mm-hmm. in France, she's one of the only women in the class. Yeah. But she towered over all of them, so it didn't matter. She was tall.
1: She was she was six three yeah. and her sister was six five.
0: Some tall girls. Yeah. Amazing. I know I I'm tall, but that's really tall. So. how wait, how tall are you? Five ten. Ooh, that is tall. That's like model tall. <laughs>
1: So you really, it's just in my family, it's just tall. My brothers are six, six.
0: Oh my gosh. That is tall. I I could have been Julia tall. Mm, Yeah. But I was going to say you, you held your own behind the scenes at those like fashion events because you're surrounded by all (laughs) these like long legged models and you're like, yeah, I'm that tall too. Big deal.
1: Um. I, You know what? I've, I've always been a nerd for whatever I'm doing at the time. So I, I, it was really fun being backstage and talking to the makeup artists and the designers and all of that. So
0: Yes, I, I feel you there. I'm I'm in the nerd wor- world as well. Any event we go yeah. to, you'll always find me talking to the chefs or like the, the people behind like who are preparing the food. I'm like, What are you doing back there? So yeah.
1: yeah. I don't yeah. rub elbows. It's and I, it's killing me not to be interviewing you right now. So I you know, I wanna talk to you about how you got your start and your favorite
0: restaurants hey, and all of that. Let's do it. I'll, I'll fly out there. We'll go, we'll go grab some bubbles and, and we'll talk <laughs> We'll dish. We'll dish for sure. Um, I, I do want to say though, uh, becoming a member mm-hmm. of cherry bomb, because as you were talking mm-hmm. about that business plan, that kind of a lot of, a lot of companies are doing that right now. Subscribe. If you really love yes. these companies, yeah. subscribe and support them.
1: Yes. I have probably more Patreons right now than I can count, but, um, but yeah, ours is different. It's a it's a traditional membership, and mm-hmm. we do like a membership meeting every month. That's virtual, and we're starting to do in person meetups. And they'll you know there are some other little perks, and then of course like most magazines, we have a subscription.
0: Okay. Well, before I get to the final three, I just want to say I love. I really do love. I'm not just blowing smoke. I love everything about Cherry Bomb. It's just so positive, Aww. and colorful, and beautiful, and. Um, it just really does support women in all things. And it's teaching me that there are amazing stories and amazing women in all corners of the food world.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're, the best part about Cherry Bomb, and I think the whole team would agree, is our community. I mean, we are really, really lucky. We have such a special community of like talented, supportive people. And you know, at a time when a lot of people are like, oh, should I get off social media? Social media is terrible. I think when you look at our Instagram and look at the comments even, you get a sense of just, you know, these are really kind people who, you know, love nurturing other people through food, through drink, whatever it might be.
0: It's amazing. There's nothing like hearing when you cook for someone and there's nothing like you sit down at the table and you go, they're like, oh my gosh, this is so good.
1: <laughs> True.
0: Nothing like that. It-
1: True. I made I made lunch yesterday. I was like, does it need salt? Is it is it okay? you know, you're always like that.
0: And Julia said you never apologize and you never explain. So I do
1: both all the time.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Julia would yell at you. Really? Sorry. Sorry, Julia. Really quickly before I get to the final three, you said you like to cook. Do you cook a lot? No. Okay. But I love to cook. What What's, what's some of your like favorite things to cook?
1: Oh gosh. I never make the same thing twice. I mean, people mm. send me a lot of food so I'm always trying to use up like I just got some cowgirl creamery cheese today and I'm gonna figure out what to do with that. <laughs> um I I I literally make different things all the time. I
0: love pasta. If I could eat pasta three times a day, I would. So Amen. I wanna say cowgirl creamery is in our neck of the woods. I think it is. Yeah. Hum- is it it's not Humboldt, is it? No.
1: It's uh, Oregon. Humboldt
0: fog is a different yep. Humboldt fog is um
1: Is a different company cowgirl that's a beautiful cheese as well
0: Mm, yeah we're so rogue creamery uh world's best Mm -hmm. blue cheese Mm -hmm. is right down the street from us so i think cowgirl i'm gonna have to look that up because i think cowgirl is an oregon creamery and i should know this uh california it's california sorry okay that was bothering me i'm sorry okay final three uh carrie diamond best advice you've ever been given
1: Oh gosh. I saw this question. And I was like, I don't, I was like, what is the best advice I've ever been given? You know, my boss, my boss at Harper's Bazaar, Glenda Bailey had a, had some advice that I thought was great at the time, but I've changed my mind about it over the years. Her advice was don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. <laughs> and yes. I thought that was great. But now as I reflect on that, you know, with, with the cherry bomb team often, it's like, it, I worry that that advice uh, builds fear in people, that you have to solve a problem on your own Mm. and you better come with a way to fix it. And I think that was the mindset back then. But today, I feel like, we always say this to new team members, it's like if you make any kind of mistake, don't hide it. You know, just tell us and let's all find a way to fix it. And so I would take that advice but amend it slightly.
0: Okay, okay. So you give that advice. <laughs> that's not. No. That's, that's the wordiest answer. I'm so sorry. No, I love it. I, that's what I tell my reporters, actually. Don't bring me problems. Bring mm. me solutions. Because if your story falls through and it's 3 o'clock, what am I going to do about it?
1: Right, right. You you should. Yeah. That's why I said, like, there's an element yeah. to that advice that is really strong and everybody should be their own problem solvers to some extent. But I also... Um, do think there's power in a group getting together and trying to figure out some solutions? As no,
0: well. I agree because the last thing you want to do is instill fear that someone's like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to go to her and tell her I have a problem. Um, right. What's your happy place?
1: Uh, any, anywhere, uh, like everywhere and anywhere. I mean, I'm just happy to be alive every day. So.
0: Hmm. I love that answer. That's amazing. In all things, food and drink, what do you crave? <laughs> I heard pasta. Day, Again, how, how,
1: Trish, how do I answer that question? I, it's it, like, there's so much food that I love and crave. I mean, probably ice cream. I love ice cream so much and pasta mm-hmm. and cheese.
0: I find, things. I find it changes, right? Like most day, I yeah. could probably yeah. murder a bacon cheeseburger almost every day of my life. But yeah, do you murder a bacon cheeseburger every day of your life? No, Carrie Diamond, because I would be ginormous. So I love that you use the term murder. That's very funny. I know. Um, Okay, so I do want to say to everyone listening, cherrybomb.com. It's again, Mm -hmm. it's just happy and it's filled with joy, Mm -hmm. and I love. It's beautiful too. It's just such a pretty. Not only the publication's pretty, but. Um, the podcast is pretty. Everything about it is just lovely. So um, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, anyone out there, if you're listening, uh, please rate and review. Subscribe. It helps other people find us. You can also watch this podcast on my YouTube channel, Off Script with Trish Close. One more time, Carrie Diamond, the founder of Cherry Bomb. Thank you so much for the time today. I appreciate it. Oh, all right. Thank you. Take care.